morning. Many of you know me, hopefully all of you know who I am. And uh, you may not know all of what I am, but uh, hopefully you know who I am. And it's been a while since I've uh, had the opportunity to uh, share a message that God has placed in my heart. And this particular one is, is, uh, is one that he started speaking to me about. Uh, somewhere between Washington, Seattle, Washington, and uh, oh, oh, in Wyoming. It was somewhere out near there. And uh, at that time, knowing that there, that, uh, that there might be an opportunity for me to preach, I know uh, Scott and John both had spoken to me and asked if I could do that uh, for some. As I look at what has been happening uh, over the past several weeks, even month and a half, uh, we live in an uncertain time. I don't know that it's any different than those of the Old or the New Testament. Uh, if you were here last week, uh, Bill shared with us out of Habakkuk. Uh, and, and he lived in a very uncertain time. Today we're going to take a look at, uh, at Jeremiah. We'll find the same thing written in, uh, in Hebrews. Uh, Jeremiah lived in an uncertain time. And he had a very challenging mission. If you, if you read Jeremiah in the opening chapters when God called him, he said, I'm going to call you to preach to a people that aren't going to listen to you. They're not going to, they're not going to hear what you're saying. They're not going to do what you're saying. But I'm, I'm sending you to preach a message. There's been times as a pastor and even as a, uh, as a chaplain that uh, I felt like that. That there was times that uh, that God had me bring a message that just people didn't hear, or or maybe didn't get, and that could be as much on media as it is on the people. One of the prayers that I had today is that uh, that I would get out of the way of what God wanted to uh, to do today. Uh, I probably have enough stuff and study and information here to go several hours, but we're not going to do that this morning, okay? Uh, because I think he has a message for us in a time of uncertainty. For those of you that can remember 9-11, uh, at that time I was serving, I was pastoring a church, small church in Lebanon, PA, Lebanon Valley Baptist Church, but I was also uh, working uh, three, no, four days a week at Coatesville as a uh, chaplain in their psych unit. They did that for three years. Fell right at home. I, 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 hopefully it says as much about God as it really about, about me. But uh, I remember that morning I was heading over for a uh, team meeting and uh, where we go over the different uh, uh, patients that we have and progress that they're making and so forth. And it was around I think around nine o'clock or so, 
And as I as I came into that building, there was a fenced-in area, and there was a, uh, a pavilion where you could go and smoke, or you could just come outside and, and sit. And uh, and they said something to me uh, about a plane going down or something. And, and I, uh, matter of fact, I think they said that it crashed into uh, the uh, Twin Towers. And, and I thought, that they heard something and sort of got it wrong. And I didn't come out of that team meeting until about 11 o'clock. And they had the TV on in the, in the group room, and, and, uh, and I went in there and, and it was just overwhelmed with what I heard. And, and I remember thinking as I went back to my office, and my office was in the chapel, and I happened to be upstairs in the back. I mean, when I went up into my office, no one saw me unless they deliberately came up to see me. And that, and that was the space I needed to be at that time. And I remember saying to God, we served in the military to make sure something like this would never happen. When I asked, can Fortunately, a few days later, uh, and as I really sought God about all that was happening, I did feel safe. And I feel safe today. What happened last Sunday to have that same impact on us? And, and we may not want to go someplace where there's a group of people. And I, uh, as long as I've lived, we've been in Lebanon since 1985. I have not once yet gone to Gandhi Auto Show here in Christian. Do you know that? And I love antique cars today, the ones I can look at. I, I mean, I don't think that they're antique, you know, but the ones from 1904 and the 20s and the 30s, you know, maybe the 40s. But uh, uh, my brother's first car was a 49 Pontiac, you know. One of the early uh, aspects, uh, my wife's first car, and she even got rid of it, got something else before she got her driver's license was a 49 Chevy. They called it the Batmobile because it was black and it was, you know, you know what a 49 Chevy looks like. Um, but I suspect that you were there yesterday and there may have been a security presence that you haven't seen because we're becoming more and more aware. Of, uh, of our vulnerability. The Old Testament was a very uncertain time. Uh, kingdoms and nations came and fell, and uh, and God walked with his people through them. And there was times when they were dispersed, and they were dispersed the time that uh, Jeremiah were being dispersed, and Jeremiah the message was, but God will bring us back together. And, and when he does, he's going to establish a different covenant from the one that I've made with you. From the one I made with Abraham and his descendants. Which, uh, which was basically to, uh, to promote, uh, to enlarge his family, 
bless his family and to bless the world through his family, that he would curse him, that cursed him and his uh, uh, descendants, and that he would prosper uh, Abraham's descendants. The condition was that they trust God. And then in Moses, well, in Noah we saw a covenant, but then again in Moses, we, we come to what we know as the old covenant. What is a covenant? You've probably heard all different kind of terms. It, it's, it's more than a contract, but it's like a contract. It's more than an agreement, but it's like an agreement. Uh, marriage is a covenant. And in that covenant, there's there's vows, things that we promise one to the other, and uh, and that covenant can stay strong as long as we stay committed to those promises that we make one to another. And uh, my wife and I celebrated 50 years, half a century, uh, this year, and I'm so grateful for that. Boy, there was times when I wanted to. You know, I, one of the things that kept our marriage together was both of us were committed to not being bored. Okay? And, and, and we were committed to our marriage, but there was times when we were probably committed more to not being, to being unmarried than we were to being uh, married. But there was times, and they weren't long times, but there was times when, when you hit, hit those. Uh, but, but that's, that's part of what a covenant is. The old covenant was, uh, was God's arrangement with Israel. Listen to uh, Jeremiah 31, uh, beginning at verse 31. Look, Jeremiah says, the days are coming. This is the Lord's de uh, declaration when I will make a new covenant the house of Israel and the house of Judah. This one will not be like the covenant I made with the ancestors or with uh, their ancestors on the day that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I am their master. Some even say I am their husband. Uh, this is the Lord's declaration. The old covenant was God's arrangement with his people that he would protect them and prosper them and care for them and meet all their needs. He asked that they be faithful to him. As a matter of fact, he gave them a way that they could be holy and righteous. And he really didn't, but, but that's what the law is. This, this is who I am, and he gave the law. And we're not just talking about the Ten Commandments, but but I think they sort of sum it all up. But if you read through Leviticus, and if you haven't, do it again sometime this year. You may have to work at it, because that's all of those laws and uh, talks about eating and washing and, and, and all kinds of stuff that we may not even talk about in public. But it, it deals with it in uh, Leviticus. But, but that was a part of the law. God gave the law that we might be able, or not that we might be able, but that we could see how we can have that close, intimate relationship with him. One that he had with Adam, the 
before sin. Probably the best description of that fellowship that uh, Adam and Eve had with, with God was the account of the fall. And it says that, uh, that God came into the garden in the cool of the, the day to fellowship with Adam and Eve. You know, and he said, Adam, where are you? And of course, Adam said, uh, well, we heard you coming, and we hid because, you know, where they had been. And God said, who took me back? Uh, and from that point, of the resurrection, God did not have that close, intimate relationship with the people that He created. Now, this was prior to uh, Israel. This was the part where all of our DNA begins. If you get an opportunity to sit in Bill uh, Patrick's class, and he'll tell you that he does not like that term about race. He says there's only one race, and that's the human race. And uh, and researchers in DNA have have determined that that all DNA goes back to one particular uh, part of that DNA. We know from Scripture that it is how God created us. Jeremiah said that God is going to establish a better covenant. Matter of fact, in Hebrews, it, it says that, find it here, for if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault in the people. Notice the problem was not with the covenant he made, but with the unfaithful response of the people. That's sort of in parentheses in the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And God said, the time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with your forefathers or their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt, because they did not remain faithful to my covenant, and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put their laws I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will man teach his neighbor or a, or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the uh, least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete and aging will soon disappear. The old covenant focused on uh, obedience or conformity to the law. The old covenant, God is wholly separate from humankind because God is is holy and sovereign. And, and unholy people cannot fellowship with the holy God. 
They had all kinds of laws that uh, dealt with uh, worship. Uh, they had different rituals. They had special days of celebration. And of course, they had days of atonement. And then they had the, 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 the day of atonement once a year when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies only one. Because God was separated from mankind because of, of, of sin. Um, only the priests could enter the most holy place behind the veil. And this was only once a year. Matter of fact, they tied a cord around his leg, his ankle. Because if, if he hadn't prepared right, if, if, if he wasn't obedient to what the law said of the preparation of the high priest before he went into the most holy place, he would drop dead. And no one could go in to remove him because they would drop dead too. And so they had this cord so that they could hold him from behind the veil and, uh, and retrieve his body. The blood of animals was used as a picture of the cost of Later in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, it says, Without the shedding of blood, there is what? No redemption. Baptists and evangelicals have been accused of, uh, of having a very bloody religion. Today, that might be appealing to some. Doesn't see today the more blood and glory it is. People are drawn to it, but, <clears throat> but not the blood of Jesus. Only through his shed blood do we have forgiveness of sin. And God says that he was going to do that. The blood of animals uh, showed that I uh, was used to picture the cost of forgiveness. And salvation was dependent upon obedience to the law. Uh, did you hear that? Salvation was upon obedience to the law. Where does that place us? Where did that place Israel? In a very lost state. Last week, uh, Bill made a statement that, that we hear in Sunday school class and make a lot. It's not about us. It's about him. And, and it's, it's not playing down our importance to him. What it's saying is that salvation is about what he did for us, not what we do for him. And folks, that's very important, and, and we're going to get to that in, in just a little bit. The old covenant was a, a school teacher, a, a schoolmaster, I think is what the King James uses. Uh, uh, the, uh, I think it's a homan that uses the term guardian. Uh, Galatians 3.23, Paul says, Before this faith came, we were confined under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian, described uh, such as a slave. This slave was not a teacher uh, until Christ, so that we would be justified by faith. But since faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. 
describes such uh, as a slave, and that's what Jeremiah and Hebrew speaks of the law being a slave. This slave was not a teacher, for we are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. The law is what Paul says, I would have not known sin were it not for the law. When you were a preschooler, or maybe even earlier, did you ever see?
Because when we accept Christ as our Savior, He comes to dwell within us. Right now in our Sunday school class, uh, we are learning, or we are studying through uh, 2 Samuel and, uh, and David. And David was a great king in, uh, in Israel, one of the greatest. And the scriptures say that he was a man after God's own heart. But he blew it big time. It, he really did blow it big time. But what does that mean, he was a man after God's own heart? The Spirit of God came and dwelt within David. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God came and dwelt in certain ones for a certain period of time to accomplish the things that God wanted to do. But in the New Covenant, the Spirit of God comes to live and dwell within us. There are some of you who are going to say, yeah. Some that have grown and have matured, and, and maturity in the Christian faith is not an age-related thing. It can be. I mean, there are, I think that's why the the scriptures talk about us respecting and listening to our elders. But I've known some older people <coughs> make some really bad decisions and did some horrible things. And we saw, you know, I, I, I couldn't believe that it was a 64 year old man that did all that. And we talked about it. But for those of you that that have lived with the Lord and have, have sought the scriptures and listened to uh, those that have taught you and preached to you. If you hear something that's radically different from what you know, don't believe it because I said it. Look at the scriptures. You know, Paul said that. You know, search the scriptures. As a matter of fact, in one situation, he said to, uh, I think it was Ellis who was talking to me, he said, Go to God. And search the scriptures, and God will convince you that what I say is right. Uh, but that's what God wants us to do. It's important that you live a life that you live, not because Pastor Ron or Pastor Larry or, 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 or another pastor that, that you have had contact with said that this is the way you should live, but because God through his spirit that dwells within us. One of the things that's important about the new covenant is that we have full access to the presence of God, both now and for eternity. From Adam to Christ was probably only a moment in the mind of God. Maybe even a half a moment fraction of a moment. I mean, it wasn't that long at all. But it may have seemed like an eternity because of God's desire to have close, personal, intimate relationship with us. To place within us His will for us. And we may not recognize it, by the way, but if we realize that in the New Covenant, that is what we have. He has given us all that we need that we might be faithful. 
also means that we have uh, been liberated. Are you familiar with that term, liberated, set free from the bondage of the law and from the bondage of sin? Because the strength of sin was the law. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, There is therefore now, this is King James, no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Because what the law was not able to do, because of what? Because of the weakness of the flesh. God, in sending his Son, condemned sin in the flesh that we might fulfill the righteousness of the law, that we might fulfill the, the purpose and acts of the law. That's why Jesus died for us. And it isn't something that we have to work for. It's something that's, that's already done. When he says we are therefore, he's referring back to chapter 5 and 6 when he talks about sin and about salvation and, uh, and said that where sin abounds, grace even more abounds. What shall I say then? Shall we sin the grace of God? God forbid. How can we that have, have been baptized into Christ and into his death and, and resurrected and moved his life, how can we continue in sin? Because of who we are in Christ. That's the new covenant. And we enter it by faith. When we enter it the moment that we came to the point of being Of surrendering our life to him and saying, God, I can't do it. Do it with him. That's what faith is. Now here's something. If some translations of the scriptures say that the law is obsolete, the law is obsolete for salvation. You cannot if there's anything that we've learned from the Old Testament and watching Israel is no matter how hard they tried, the flesh was weak and they could not, could not consistently obey the law. But the law is good. Paul even said one time, does that mean the law is bad? No. They don't mean the law is bad. Matter of fact, the law is what taught us what was wrong. It's the law that shows us how we can, uh, can live, and, and the new covenant gives us the ability to do so. We've been studying through 1st and 2nd Daniel for a good while. And even what do you guys study? Just spend some time with him 
and spend some time in the Word. And, and we need both of them. When I served uh, as a chaplain at the VA Medical Center, the dean there was overwhelmed. And uh, he called us faithful times to say, you know, hey, Bob, uh, you're getting so busy about good, godly things that you're neglecting the essential things. It's important what we do for God and what we do to others as God is seeking to minister and allowing us to be the hands and mouth and ears of him to people that desperately need him, that they might come to the blindness might be pulled away and they'll see the need for Christ and find their faith in him. But there's times we can get so busy about good godly things that we neglect the essentials, and the essentials are probably several, but two that are so important. It's time communicating with God. And you know when that time I know some people that go to one place every day at the same time, you know, and have their prayer time and all, and I think that that's good. Some, uh, like my son that works at uh, TMI, and he works 12-hour shifts that change about every three or four weeks, or sometimes less than that, and he works from 7 at night to 7 in the morning, and then he changes from 7 in the morning to 7 at night, and uh, uh, I don't know when you schedule a set time of the day that you can communicate with God. And that may be your kind of schedule. But no, we need to have the time. Last night I, I went over and added a few things and I printed out everything. And, and if you would see my notes, you'll see some things written in. Because this morning, uh, sort of that time when you wake up but you're not really up yet, the alarm ain't going off. And uh, that's the time, you know, that I I look to God and, and God speaks and he reveals some things that, that he had shown me before but I forgot about them and I was putting them down here on the, the notes and it was good that he reminded me and I'm sure as I go back over okay, yeah I'm sorry God I, 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 I forgot that one uh, uh, but God will will bring my there's some things you may have an experience and God will bring a scripture to mind now he is going to bring a scripture to don't spend some time with them. Now, there's some people that memorize scripture, and, and that's good. And there was a time when I did. My memory isn't what it used to be. Uh, and, uh, and I also have this thing where I can get distracted. Now, hopefully, I didn't this morning. But uh, I was telling my doctor about it out at the VA. He says, uh, I think we need to check to see if you have a, a uh, attention deficit. And I said, yeah, I think so. And so he sent me to a psychologist and took me through a whole bunch of, uh, of tests. And they came back and they said, well, you're, you're not ADHD. I'm thinking, oh, I'm trying to do that. He said, but you definitely have an attention deficit. And then he said, again, we had a concussion. I can only remember one time that it was diagnosed. I was in high school playing football, and and uh, and I was had these horrible headaches and all. And and uh, my dad took me to the doctor. He 
you say, why do you suffer this? And personally, you can take it whatever you need to for a while. Uh, but I suspect the time that, that a hatch fell off a eight-foot step ladder and hit me on top of the head, I may have suffered the one then, too. I remember things getting dark, but I didn't fall off. You know?
Jesus says, suffer all the things and be for such belong the kingdom of God. Oh, listen, the new covenant is, is powerful. The new covenant, the old covenant was the law, the new covenant was grace. What is grace? I, I saw this thing once that said, grace is not a blue eyed box. Okay? Uh, it, it's, it's not a person. Some say, well, it's the unmerited favor of God, and indeed it's that. But it's for one of the best definitions that I have heard for, uh, for grace is that it is both the desire and the ability to do what God's purpose, to do what God's will. That's what grace is. It's, it's not only enabling us to do the will of God, the desire to do it. And we find it in Colossians. That's one of those that I didn't have to do about last night. And uh, God brought it to mind. But in Colossians chapter uh, 2, verse 9, it says, For in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily, and you have, and you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority, every principality and power. And the King James says, you are complete in him. And that, that, that word, I think it's aguro, is the Greek term, but it, but it means to, to fill up, to be full up. I put it this way. Please listen to God with this statement. All that Christ is, he is in us. Are you saying, Ron, you mean that we're Christ? No, we're not. We're not Christ. But all that he is, the fullness of God was revealed in Christ Jesus, and we have been filled with him. Not through diligent study and all that kind of stuff. God did that. It's already done. We need the diligent study, and we need to seek to be faithful to him. That that he will show us how to live out that which is already in us. I know there's many times when we say, God, give me patience. And what we're really saying is, God, show me patience. Well, how does God show us patience? Tribulation, yeah. <laughs> Be careful with that one. He'll show you what patience is. The only way you learn patience is through Oh, I can't even think of the name of that guy that followed uh, David as he was fleeing Jerusalem because Absalom uh, was seeking to kill him and was taking over his throne. And this guy ran along the bridge, hollering obscenities at David and throwing stones and, and, and casting dust uh, on him. And has God ever given you a person like that in your life? Or maybe, it may not be a person, it may be a particular situation. And no matter what you do, it just seems to and as we seek God, He shows us how to, to live with it or even to live through it. Let me give this story real quick. I was chaplain for seven years at Penn National Racecourse. Yes, God places chaplains on thoroughbred racetracks. When I, when I tell people I was a, a uh, racetrack chaplain, they said, NASCAR? 
and he had people that ministered at that start. That's the, but I, I, my responsibility wasn't the people that came to the races, but the people that worked uh, there. And Eric was a jockey, and, and, and Eric was a believer. He was a Christian, and and uh, every Friday evening, I would minister to the front side. At the racetrack, you have the back side, which is the stable area, you know, where all the horses go. Front side is where the horses race and people gamble and all that kind of stuff. So once a week, I worked the front side, but when I worked up there, it was the employees and workers there. I, I, I made contact with some of the patrons, you know, people that, that patronized the, uh, the track, and, and, and God allowed me to minister them too, but it was mainly for and Eric was one of them. And the first thing that I would do is I would go up to the uh, uh, to the Joshua room, and there was this outdoor stairway that went up there. And uh, I, once a month, I did communion up there, and I carried this. It was a salesman's material case. Well, the jockeys, when they would go up there, they carried their personal stuff in, in something that looked a lot like that. Now I'm sure some people. I weigh over 200 pounds, and the jockeys don't weigh that much. But I had a time of scripture and a devotional thought and, and, and prayer with the jockeys and with the, uh, the legs, the guys that ministered to the jockeys and put all their gear down and saddled and you know, that kind of stuff. And on this particular day, I forget which race it was, but it was maybe in the middle of that evening of racing, uh, Eric was on a horse. And as we came to the, to the finish line, I mean, just before the finish line, the horse stumbled, threw Eric up onto its neck, and he was able to regain his balance. And about the time he got back to the saddle, he wasn't able to sit on the saddle, but he got back to that saddle area. It stumbled the second time, and he just catapulted him out in front of the horse. And Horse literally trampled him, and, and I often wondered what that rail, that inside rail on the racetrack was for. <laughs> it was for the jockeys because he had the mind to go under that so that not just his horse would trample him, but all the other ones would too. And I remember going out uh, with the uh, with the EMTs, and just to let Eric know that I was there. And, and, and I was, I was uh, praying for him very, uh, very much. And, and I, I came back and I did the other things that I did on Friday night. And then I went down to the Hershey Medical Center. And I think it was before they had their trauma center, but the old ER, where they had the curtains and stuff. And, and, uh, and I remember on my way down saying, God, I don't want to say that. You know, I, I prayed that you would protect him and keep him safe. Say a word. He said, Chaplain, God does answer prayer. And I was just 
saw his uh, head several days, and there was a hoof print right over his heart. There was one on on the the back of his neck, on the upper part of his uh, hip or vest, which God saved his life, but he needed hip or vest to, to do that. And I remember him looking at me, and he looked at his watch, and he said, Yes, how that may be? But I'm going to walk out of here and it was the fact that God said, well, I appreciate that you want to keep people from, from horrible things. And you want to take the hurt away. But there are times when I need to walk with them through it. And the only reason that he can do that is in the heaven. Oh, listen. Look at <clears throat> I'm not sure when we will uh, have communion with Lord's Supper again, but if you remember in Paul's writing and also in, was it Luke's? I forget now which of the one. Some of them didn't tell about the Lord's Supper, but one of them did. It says, and in the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he said, This is the what? The covenant in my blood that is shed for you. Take this and remember what I did. What he's saying is take this and remember the new covenant, the new relationship. And, and, and his, his disciples at that time had no idea, no clue as to what he was saying. They really didn't. But it wasn't long down the road because they met, maybe even daily, and had that kind of communion one with another but also with God. We have that kind of access to God because of the new covenant. How do we access that? There's a lot of scriptures to talk about. The one that I hold dear is found in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, that says, uh, For by grace are you saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast in what they've done. How do we access this new covenant? By grace, which means it's not about what we do, it's about what God has done for us. Through faith. That's our part. But, you know, even Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of him who died for me and rose again. By what faith? Not his faith, by the faith of him. God's the one that gives us that faith. I, I, I was listening to a song on the radio this morning on Sirius Radio, a message, and, and it was one by Sandy Pat, a beautiful song. I think it was called The Prayer. She sang part of it in Italian. And then there was a guy that came in and, and sang in Italian too, and she was singing in, in English. But in that it was, God, give me faith that I might be saved. For by grace are we saved through faith. And both of the grace is God giving us the desire to be saved and the ability to be saved through our faith. That's what 
Because we can come and do this all on that. I pray that it's answered more questions than it's created. But if it's created some, then, then look for the word. And if you need me to speak to me, and, and we have some other people around here that, that Mr. Monsh, she'll talk to you about the word and about life. Mickey will, John will, uh, Scott will, there he is. But there's a lot of others. Too. And you know who they are. You've been around some. And, and, and the thing of it is, if you were to come to me, and I don't have the answer, I will find where to point you to. Or I may say, you know, this is the answer, but I may not be able to explain it to you, but, uh, but this is someone who's been through the same experience with God, and, uh, and they can help you point towards the Lord. God is good to us. He is always good. All good comes from God. We may never know the motivation of the person that did the horrible thing a week ago. And we attend to the whole profile. But it fits a profile that I see in Scripture again and again. Jesus is one that brought it to us and it says, The thief comes to kill, steal. I've come that you might have life, that you might have it. Let's go to him in prayer as we give thanks for, uh, for the grace that he's given us, and thanks for the way that he's provided for us, and ask his blessing upon all things that's taken this morning. God,